0: clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events.
2: Tune in for a balanced view
1: of the other
3: side
0: of the news. Welcome, my name is Timothy Saunders. I'm one of your trio of co-hosts on this 94th edition of The Other Side of the News. I'm speaking to you this early morning from southwest Turkey and will soon be joined by Kintia from her infamous wheelhouse close to San Francisco, and Annette Driscoll, who is also currently nearby the Golden Gate. This show is entitled Chaos Out of Order. I very much look forward to hearing our guests' perspective regarding this essential awakening process, all with a view to illuminate the best path to lead us to a positive outcome. You may find us at www.theothersideofthenews.com, where you will see quick links to our independent Rumble and Telegram platforms, details for each show, which include links to our bios, show items, references, and selected research. As usual, there is a huge collection of information to read, watch, and listen to, most of which has been handpicked from independent sources. I urge you to study them and even download your own copies sooner than later, as the censorship robots work around the clock to rewrite our history in real time. During the last week, we have seen inundated by another wave of remarkable events and headlines reported in the news to discuss, validate and present each topic in correct context could all too easily fill up an entire show by itself. As the other side of the news is not per se a typical news show, and in order to make the best use of our available airtime, we should plot a direct course to greet the rest of our team and to introduce our guest, David Livingston. Good evening, Kintia. Good evening, Aneta. As COVID is on the back burner, overshadowed by the Ukrainian variant, have you noticed the various stealth bills bringing in digital ID and digital currency?
4: Mm, oh, hi. Doggy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything they can imagine is, is they're trying to sneak in under the radar. In uh, in California alone this week, they tried to get 10 different really wretched, horrible bills through in one week. So, yes, they're, they're trying all that. And, you know, the tactics, uh, they, they, they tell the people the bills about this and that. And then, of course, in the fine print, it's actually generally just like the media, the absolute opposite. But people are starting to, like, catch that a little bit, I think, finally. Some of I, them are anyway.
0: So. I do hope so. I do hope so. In the UK next week, I think there's a, a bill either being heard or, or having a first vote. I'm not sure. I think it goes by the name of a, uh, what is it called? IDVT, April the 6th. And again, that's going to bring in or is intended to bring in digital ID, which will be very helpful during this uh, Ukrainian crisis because it will, everybody will feel so much safer. That's yeah. the way it's being sold.
1: Mm
4: hmm. Yeah, and I mean, here, I don't know how it's over where you are, but uh, you know, because we had Trudeau show his hand on what they were, how the banks actually could shut you off, uh, I think that's, that was really a great thing to have happen in that, not for the people that it had it happen to, but it was, it was great in that people are starting to question. It's like, well, why would I want um, digital money that's controlled, in other words, centralized so, right now, what I see in this in the subterfuge of of all of this is that they're trying to confuse people with the idea that that Bitcoin and the central bank's digital currency are one and the same because they just they both use blockchain technology, which is about as untrue as as it as it comes however, uh, they're trying to use that line and I think that they're really um, people are starting to catch on a little bit at least the Few people I'm running into have some idea, which before it was never anyone. So that's good. And then, you know, of course, what, what's going on in Russia with the, the gold and the, the ruble and, and that whole thing. I mean, I'm just I'm just having a field day with that because actually, I mean, it's, it's bad for us in this country because it's going to take down the U.S. dollar. But as I've talked about many times, this is the only way out of the fiat currency system. But the difference, I think, this time is that we're seeing it happen worldwide. And certainly, when three billion people in the on the planet are are switching to a gold backed uh, system, and um, you know they're saying, "Oh, well, we're going to take down the Swift system uh, from Russia. They can't use it." Well, boo-hoo-hoo, they've been using a different system for the last two years. That's much better than the Swift system anyway. So th- the whole thing's ridiculous. The only thing that the sanctions are hurting are europeans to some degree and americans very much so you know the pain it's painful
0: <laughs> it's painful but i i really do question if that's the intent in the first place i mean it, it it's the sanctions you know what while we're saying i say we while many people are saying that you know we're going to show them we, we've uh we put the sanctions on and and uh we're not going to do anything russian we're not going to buy even vodka that's not even made in in russia uh for example that will show them at the same time you know we're talking about this the second gas stream pipeline which is has been cancelled but the first one is still you know blowing gas every day (laughs) it's nobody talks so much about that one (laughs)
4: There's, there's so many, yeah, there's so many inconsistencies. I, I do believe, yes. I mean, if anybody, and I know you have most certainly, Timothy, have looked deeply and, and read and quite well, read on the whole Great Reset. And absolutely, they're trying to push us into this Great Reset. But I think the difference is, is that when their plan was foiled, which is, you know, years ago, but it's been coming apart in pieces, they have no cover story because normally, you know, we'd be under the cover of, uh, the pandemic and a war and all that stuff, all of that's been stripped away, and now that's just the bare facts that the currency' is worth nothing because it, it it never has been. It's monopoly money, and that you know all the you can see the difference with the gold backed and what's even worse is it's kind of like the people that took the vaccine, the people that didn't having a control group. Well, the control group looks like three million people on the planet versus everyone else that's running on fiat currency, and it will certainly make it obvious.
0: Yeah, because the, um, the I mean that's the other thing as well is this alliance between the uh, the the BRICS companies, companies excuse me, countries. Uh, I mean it it's now something that's an alliance that was uh, previously made, and now it seems to be coming into effect. You have India and you have China and Russia grouping together, and sort of that's not just uh, one country which is uh, reacting to the sanctions. It's now sort of three huge countries starting to react to these sanctions so as you say that split is not just um local it, it's it's huge
4: yeah and, and i think you know everybody has different views about about putin i personally am a fan might be too too generous uh i don't dislike him i'll t- I'll, I'll be honest about that but i i am i do think i'm uh yeah i'm definitely a fan of his use of the art of war and right now he is really turning all of this against um these people that have turned it on him and he's he's run rings around them and he's uh, especially when he announced you know well as of April 1st today that if anybody wants to be buying any kind of oil from Russia then you know you'll be paying in rubles and he any he pegged the ruble to the gold standard so we're seeing that that happen right in front of our eyes and uh You know that it's only a matter of time till the central bank is completely has lost control. That's why I believe they're trying to push this uh, digital ID slash digital centralized currency one and the same because you know that's how they'll control everything. I think that's there's no mistake about what that is, and I think that the whole plan is getting pushed into the public realm and into people's uh, perception much faster than they would have ever done is they wanted to, you know, they wanted to subtly sneak up and it's, it's uh, not, they're not able to do that because everything is coming undone. All their narratives are, are falling apart, not to mention, and we we can get into this, I guess, with our guests maybe, but not to mention all of the uh, things like the Biden laptop revealing much of what we're talking about is confirmed and has been, I mean, I, We we talked about that laptop back 18 months ago, and so this is interesting time. I'm I'm quite I'm quite pleased uh, that all this is coming forward. Not just because of vindication that that it's true, but because of all of the things that it will force into the public eye.
2: Mm -hmm. And speaking of pushing things, uh, Timothy had a great link from the ice farmer, and it's talking about the food shortages and how. They're going to use uh, the digital ID to limit what you can or cannot buy, how much you can buy. It's a, They're going to use the food shortage as a leverage to force us to comply and get this digital ID. And I'm on a personal level, I'm so grateful because I have extended family that live two hours from where I live. I go back and forth. And they are already growing their own vegetables. And I'm saying, oh, thank goodness, because I haven't been doing that. But we need to start thinking about how we're going to care for our families when they are, you know, squeezing. They are desperate now and they're using desperate measures that are killing hundreds of thousands of chickens all around the world. And they're coming after even wild animals. They want to make it like It's not safe to have an animal. They want to force us into eating insects. You may think I'm exaggerating here, but listen to that uh, YouTube that's in Timothy's links from the ice farmer. Very alarmingly enlightening.
0: We had Christian on as a guest, the Ice Age farmer. We had him on, I can't remember, was it the middle of last year or something like that? Mm
2: -hmm. He
0: did. Mm -hmm. He's been predicting this is going to happen for I I guess I've been sort of in he's been on my radar for a couple of years he's obviously been doing this a lot longer Uh, but it's amazing how outrageous and outlandish it sounds and yet it's almost happening milestone by milestone at
2: the moment right right Right, right. It's, it's
4: it's very very premeditated, very engineered. I mean, everything about it. I mean, and guess what? Oh, they're using the PCR test to tell <laughs> you that uh, the the chickens have avian flu. Oh my gosh, that we must, must
0: be kill. really accurate. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's,
4: it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh my gosh, yeah. So I mean, all of that, and then yes, to to push us into this forced compliance to to their stuff, and let's not forget that they're they are. Religiously trying to, um, you know, make it so that gardening isn't—you uh, mm-hmm. can't garden. I mean, for years in the U.S., we've had this problem with collecting your own rainwater. They, they make collecting the rainwater off your roof illegal. That—that's ridiculous, but that's what they've done. And now they're trying to tell people, get this: that collecting and harvesting your own seeds is dangerous and could you know could have very bad results And what have we been doing forever uh, as you know in the agricultural industry we've been
2: saving seeds and of course they want us to have only their <laughs> specified seeds the in you know the
4: GMO <laughs> gmos
2: stuff. right yeah yeah
4: so it's, it's crazy crazy times but i you know i i still am i'm staying with i see so many things that are happening that are getting revealed that i think that this is all a big psyop to wake up the these people that are dead ass asleep and it's starting to work i i will say it's starting to work i i was in uh costco today and no one told me to put my mask on unbelievable no one told me to put my mask on it's first time ever since this started (laughs) so that was a big win (laughs)
0: But just just to be clear in California is it still required to wear a mask or not?
4: Well, it depends on which county you're in. When I looked around, I did see two other people out of literally hundreds because it's a huge Costco. I saw two other people without their mask on. But people are I don't I don't even know. I never I don't follow what's actually you're supposed to be doing. I could give a fly, you know. But uh I the thing is is that usually you'll have a brown shirt or come up now i did have somebody confront me about something else and you know was pretty not nice about stuff and i was i was polite and I just said well you know I think you're gonna see i just keep your eyes open i think maybe you're gonna find out something's pretty different than what you're saying and it was I was left at that but yeah i, I did you know this is the first time I haven't actually i mean people
2: are foaming at the mouth, rabid about masks and crap here. So, um, Well, it's getting better. It's getting better. I've even gone into CVS without a mask. It is (laughs) getting better temporarily until they want to put the screws again. So, you know, I'm uh, really looking forward to bringing David on because he's going to give us some insights to all this craziness that we're immersed in. So, our special guest tonight is David Livingston. He's an independent researcher, and his series of six books represents 30 years of research. He's, to say the least, highly dedicated, and he's taken on topics that in the past, you know, your um, scholarly people would say, oh, that's just cranks, and that's conspiracy theory, and oh, that's not real. But he recognized that there were seeds of truth in what has been called conspiracy theory. So he decided to dig deeply into the material. And uh, his book is called Ordo Abkeo. And that's also the name of his website, O-R-D-O-A-B-C-H-A-O dot C-A, Ordo Abchao. And his range of topics, he goes all the way back to the Babylonians and the Sumerians and uh, the Ashkenazi Jews and Queen Elizabethan age, uh, the Illuminati, the Freemasons, Shambhala, and on and on it goes. You cannot believe the depth that he has gone into this. So like I think we probably are going to have to have him back as a guest many times because any topic that we could pick up, I'm sure that he has some background to offer us on it. So I'd like to welcome you, David, to uh, the other side of the news.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: Yes, I'm so excited to have this opportunity to talk with you. So I'm just curious, like, You know, what tipped you off that you started digging so deeply into these topics that have been avoided by the scholarly?
3: Um, Did you want to talk about the uh, branch off of the subject you were just talking about or you mean? Sure,
2: go wherever you like. You're
3: a freewheeler here. (laughs) Okay. Well, an interesting point of entry is the fact that uh, Pope Francis just, I guess, last Friday announced that he was consecrating uh, Russia. Um, so this, you know, I, I was shocked to see that uh, that would happen because I really that forms pro- you know major part of probably the last three volumes of my my recent book. And I had no idea uh, at the time how significant the politics in the Ukraine were to that entire history. Because it ties sure. in everything, it ties in, um, you know, the the history of of fascism in the 20th century, the um, the Vatican II, uh, the Priory of prior Zion mythos, um, uh, rare orders like the Order of the the, the Solar Temple, um, the the Secrets of Fatima, and all these all these various topics. So, if you'd like, we can uh, explore how those. Uh, are tied together and what significance they have.
2: That would be great. That would just be great. Go ahead, dear.
3: Okay. So, uh, basically, the the idea of the consecration of Russia comes from the secrets of Fatima uh, that were revealed in 1917, so just a few months after the Bolshevik Revolution, which I think is likely not an accident. So, uh, the various things that apparently Mary requested... One of them one of them was the that Russia needed to be consecrated because I can't remember exact details of how it was described, but you know her errors would continue until um um uh, Russia received the consecration so what happened is that um um you know basically the the third the the, the secrets of Fatima became um an accepted uh aspect of christian uh, doctrine and um And then so for much of the century, Catholics were waiting for various popes to uh, call for the consecration of Russia. And um, John Paul II, which is a very interesting uh, character, maybe if we come back to him, I'll explain how he fits into a lot of this. He finally, uh, apparently, uh, offered the consecration, but uh, there's been some questions about its legitimacy. So a lot of people were still waiting for it to happen. So basically, if we want to go back to where it seems to derive from, uh, we have to go back to, there's a lot we can go back to, we can probably go back to the Rosicrucian movement. So the Rosicrucian movement, this is what I talk, I discuss in a few chapters. Basically, uh, you have the uh, the Rosicrucian movement basically uh, timed their announcement to the world uh, uh, happened in 19, in 1623, and the reason why they picked that year is because it was a year of what's known as the Great Conjunction, which is a conjunction of of uh, Saturn and Jupiter. If I'm getting that right, it's a conjunction which happens every uh, 20 years, uh, but um, it has there's a, there's a particular alignment which is even closer, which happens only several uh, centuries apart. And so uh, that one in particular was believed to have a particular significance. And it's also, according to Kabbalah, the Great Conjunction is considered to be associated with the arrival of the Messiah. So uh, according to their calculations, they had they had uh, picked 1623 as being a particularly important date and then, then with their additional calculations, they expected that uh, 1666 would ultimately be uh, the, the 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 ultimately important year, and that was the year that Shabtai Zvi announced himself as uh, the expected Messiah of the Jews. Um, I was just reading again about that history a couple of days ago. It was Matt Golish, who's, you know, pretty respected scholar on the topic, And he basically said it's the most significant religious movement in Judaism since the advent of Jesus. So this is a movement that really rocked the Jewish world. Uh, Estimates uh, uh, count that probably half the world's Jewish population uh, believed in his Messiahship. Uh, So we know we're talking about Jews that were uh, living, you know, basically in many parts of the world. The Middle East, you know, places like Yemen, Turkey, Syria, Iran, and already by that point, of course, South, uh, South America and places North America, of course. And so, um, you know, what I've shown in my last few books is how the Rosicru- how the Rosicrucian movement. sorry, yes, the Rosicrucian movement was tied very closely to the uh, to the the uh, to the mission of Shabtai Zavi. So because it's it the it's the Rosicrucians. Particularly in England, who were fanning the expectations about the significance of the year sixteen sixty six. So then, what happened? And so, what's important about the Rosicrucian movement is that uh, it it's it's surrounded. It's basically focused on the marriage of Frederick V and Elizabeth Stuart, who was the daughter of King James. There's a whole other topic there, you know, King James, and because you mentioned the Elizabethan era, so that was a crucial. A point for you know the rise of occultism, uh, probably in Europe, particularly uh, in England, uh, uh, through especially through uh, John Dee, and uh, according to Francis Yates, John Dee was the the man who was likely responsible for most of the influences that gave rise to the Rosicrucian movement. and you have of course uh, Francis Bacon, who is rep- re- you know, reputed, you reputed according to Masonic history to have been a Rosicrucian as well, and. Um, so this marriage between Frederick and uh, Elizabeth was. There's a book written about it called the Al- the Alchemical Wedding of Christian Rosencourts. So not not alchemical. It's called the Chemical Wedding, but it's basically you know in um, uh, old English it basically means the alchemical wedding. So what's crucial is that this this out of this wedding you out of their descendants you have all the key families who were involved. In the rise of Freemasonry, particularly the Illuminati. So, uh, what happens is that you have the um, what's it called? Is it called the, the the Glorious Revolution when I think it's James the Second who's overthrown, and finally uh, you have the first uh, George the who becomes King of England, and he is a grandson or great grandson of of that marriage, and uh, and then. So you have all these families are now intermarrying. Uh, they intermarry, um, most importantly, into the House of Hessen Kessel. And this is the family where the Rothschilds got their start. So uh, Prince Charles of Hessen Kessel in particular, he was the Grand Master. Sorry, he was a member of the Illuminati, but he was also the Grand Master of a very important organization called the Asiatic Brethren, who were a Sabatian organization. So basically, uh, followers of Shaptai Zevi, who I mentioned earlier. And so, so yes. I'm the, just
2: curious. So these families that you're mentioning, would these be sometimes we hear references to the 13 families, the 13 ruling families? And I don't know if these are the same families or
3: I think there's some there's some overlap. Um, um you know, I'm I'm not sure where the 13 families come from because that's that's mentioned by Fritz Springmeier, I'm not sure how accurate is. Research is. Uh, mm-hmm. I've never seen it confirmed elsewhere. Okay. Uh, you know, there is some overlap with, with some of the things he said, but really, these are families that go back. This is why, where the whole we're going to come back to the point of Nostradamus because that's really where it comes back to, and it goes back to the to the time of the Crusades. So, you know, these are families who basically were involved in instigating the the Crusades. They're families who, because uh, we have to remember that. This, all this is all about bring about the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. So to bring okay. about the fulfillment of the coming of the Messiah and the rebuilding of the Third Temple, which is why Freemasonry is based on the allegory of rebuilding the Third Temple. So these are families who uh, basically <clears throat> regard themselves as being uh, descendants of, of, of King David. So they supposedly have a David line of descent because mm. the Messiah is supposed to come from the line of David. Mm-hmm. And uh, to to sidetrack a little bit, there's I have a whole chapter especially on what I, the the kings of Jerusalem, and it's a fascinating convoluted story about the uh, relationships with these families, their connections, particularly to the occult, um, and uh, you know in there is um, uh, Leonardo da Vinci. And you can see how all these families are connected. To them. there's basically the House of Savoy, the um, um I, I can't I can't remember all the names. But uh um a lot of mostly Italian families during the Renaissance because that's really where you know the occultism sort of has its first boost in that period. And um um so it's out of the descendants of these families. One one person in particular was very important is is uh, uh, Rene Anjou, and uh, also known as, as Good King Rene. So he's a guy who features in. Um, people are probably familiar with um, the Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Uh, that was that inspired uh, Dan Brown's uh, Da Vinci Code. So they mentioned him, and so their story is basically, um, you know, they they. they Picked up a lot of the the essential clues, but they misinterpreted most of them. Uh, I don't know if they did that deliberately or 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 not, but uh, this is why ultimately Dan Brown's version is very much a, a distortion of the of the true story. Mm-hmm. So that's where you get these families. So these families continue to uh, basically they produce um, the the their descendants are Elizabeth and Frederick V of the Palatinate, like I mentioned. So then these bloodlines continue to. Um, to, to carry forward so the house of house House of castle is very important Grandmaster of the Asiatic brethren, and the reason why they call themselves the Asiatic brethren is because they're supposed to represent the um, um so sort of the mystics that had been supposedly rescued by the Templars and brought to the west so that's the fundamental uh, you know founding uh, legend of uh, Freemasonry is that um, the 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 Templars rescued hermetic mystics. From the Holy Land, and uh, brought them uh, effectively to Scotland, which is how. Thank
2: you, David. Thank you. We are at the bottom of the hour. I oh, love yeah, what right. you're sharing, and I hate to cut you off. So we're going to take a break. You're listening to the other side of the news. Our guest tonight is David Livingston, and the show is called "Chaos Out of Order," kind of play on his book. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we will return right after the break.
5: This woman named Violet, she's got a 16 year old son who's autistic and she kept trying to file for an exemption for the mask. And the teachers were, you know, they refused and they were really red right up in his face trying to keep this mask on him all day because he was clearly uncomfortable and agitated with it. Well, he got to a point where he was doing physical harm to himself, so he had to be placed in a mental institution. So Violet decided to go down and acquire the bond of her superintendent, the assistant superintendent, the treasurer, and the assistant treasurer. And this superintendent turned out to be bonded for $4.6 million per claim. So Violet went ahead and uh, served this woman a letter of intent to file a claim against her surety bond. And when you file a letter of intent, you basically have to list their violations. Then in this case, she had concluded that this woman had broken 27 state, federal, and international laws, including color of law. And she served this woman along with 10 other friends per -hmm. claim, $4.6 million per claim. Wow. So we're looking at 40 plus million (laughs) in potential liability. So needless to say, the superintendent went on the run. This was over the Christmas break uh, and she tried to call the police. (laughs) She tried to get the sheriff involved and she literally went missing for a week. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And uh, when school came back in session, Violet went ahead and served her in person. So six days later, so what you have to do is you have to give them this letter of intent. And in that letter, you have to declare what you want them to do to resolve the problem so she asked this superintendent to one drop the mask mandates two admit that she was wrong when it came to her son and three to resign the woman did nothing so on day six viola went down and filed the claim and this claims adjuster really had no idea what to do you know they're looking around for the forums like oh this has Mm -hmm. never happened you know oh geez right and uh so Violet went in and filed the claim. The very next day, they had a a private meeting, but it was recorded with their counsel. And we have their counsel uh, on record communicating to the board of directors. They actually used the phrase we should buy some more beer and heroin because you guys are in deep trouble. We had to stop all state and federal funding, they had to um, drop all the mask mandates. They had to start calling in parents to assist because they couldn't pay their teachers. And they left the superintendent out to dry with this $4.6 million in liability. So a week later, Violet felt quite guilty and she had gotten what she'd wanted. They had removed the mask mandate. So she went ahead and she retracted her claim out of a, a measure of good faith to let this woman know, hey, I do have this power. I don't intend to overuse it. You need to back down. Well, what did she do? She went right back to her old ways, put the mask mandate right back in place um, uh, and, and acted like nothing had ever happened. So Violet went ahead and filed another claim because she can. And the problem is not resolved. And, uh, and anyone can do this. Anyone can do this. Hi, this is Mickey Klon, and it was such a joy and pleasure to meet with Kinthea, Annetta, and Timothy on the other side of the news.
2: And welcome back to the other side of the news. Our guest tonight, David Livingston, co hosting with me are Timothy Saunders, Annetta Driscoll, and myself, Kinthea. The deep background some things I had never heard before I'd never heard about this Jewish Messiah in the 1600s so please continue where you left off
3: okay yeah so the, the Jewish, this Jewish Messiah is, is a fascinating story because uh, basically what he he taught a Kabbalistic doctrine uh, what he taught was that um, uh, with I, when the Messiah arrives uh, it means that the, the laws of the Torah uh, no longer apply. So he basically, uh, this is Gershom Shalom, who is considered probably the leading uh, scholar of Kabbalah in the 20th century. He basically accepted the study of Kabbalah or the academic study of Kabbalah. And uh, he referred to it as holiness of sin. So basically um, Shabbatai Zavi uh, taught his followers to basically turn the laws of the Bible upside down, which is why they practice things like um, uh Uh, wife swapping and incest and you know uh, various sort of sex rights and so this is how this is kind of what inspired you know their their subversion or their attempt to subvert to try to uh, continue the 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 mission of the messiah Mm -hmm. and so i think there you can see how you know that um, subversive approach was later adopted by the illuminati so,
2: so I'm I'm curious how this ties into Fatima because you were talking about yeah. the consecration of Russia yeah. and mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> how does that happen?
3: Right. So basically, um, the, so the 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 next important significant success for successor of Zafi is a man named Jacob Frank, who appeared in uh, the eighteenth century, middle of the eighteenth century. And uh, he is considered a reincarnation of Shabtai Zevi, and taught very much, you know, doctrines along the same lines. And um, he um, he was in prison for quite a few years. I think it may be a decade or something like that in the, the uh, monastery. I, I can't. It's a Polish name, so please forgive me if I mispronounce it. I think it's Chestetowa, which is the site of the Black Madonna. So the Black Madonna, mm-hmm. of course, is very famous um, in the Catholic Church, but uh, because what happened is that um, uh, Jacob Frank taught a doctrine that uh, you know his followers had to pass through evil in order to to help bring about the uh, coming of the Messiah, and that meant having to uh, convert to Christianity. So he convert he he uh, convinced most of his followers to do exactly that, and so. Basically,
2: oh, sorry. When you say they had to pass through evil, you mean they had to overcome it, you, or you mean that they had to,
3: they had to actually
2: it. practice? They had to leave live evilness. Is that a yeah, word? Something along those oh, lines. Yeah. Oh my goodness.
3: So, um, so yeah. So they he he was imprisoned at this uh, monastery of the of the Black Virgin, and it became a central part of his cult. And because he identified it, which is. Uh, no accident, likely again, because the Black Virgin represents, or how he interpreted, it, was uh, that she represented Lilith. And so Lilith, of course, is a key uh, uh, key aspect of Kabbalistic uh, theology. Basically, you know, depends on how you want to interpret it, but basically, she's the Black Goddess. And so, you know, the you know a lot all of this. Tradition, you know, going all the way back to the Templars, going back to Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, it goes back to the Song of Solomon because the Song of Solomon is this song is a is a dialogue between the lover and the and the beloved.
2: Mm-hmm, it's and, a beautiful beautiful passage,
3: right? So it's basically taken to be a dialogue between the god and the goddess, right? In in an esoteric sense, and this is why at one point uh, the goddess says, "I am black, but I am beautiful." She also identifies herself with the rose of Sharon and the lilies of the valley. So this is why the rose and the lily, uh, which are essentially cabalistic symbols, become the heraldic symbols of these Davidic, uh, the arist- European aristocratic families that claim Davidic descent. And this So effectively, if you can trace how these families um, uh, you know, survived basically over the centuries and became the bloodline that produced the Rosicrucian movement and this is how it ties into Martin Luther who was connected to that uh, as well um, because the rose well, we won't get into it but the rose is effectively a yonic symbol it's supposed to be, you know, again the symbol of the of the goddess so um, effectively, you know um, as the black goddess she is Effectively, the goddess of evil, and that's how esoterically she was understood. So that became sort of the the the, the esoteric mystery that Jacob Frank taught. So um, what I there is a there is an author online who has done some amazing research. Um, Unfortunately, it's not well sourced, uh, but uh, it's very detailed, um, and it's 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 a it's a modern day. Uh, Sabbat, Sabbatian, basically, it's a, it's a he calls himself I think uh, Jewish Christian or something like that. Basically, he's an open follower of Jacob Frank, and he traced a lot of the genealogies of the Frankist families. And what he's shown is that several of the popes in the last hundred fifty years or so were Frankists. And uh, what you can see is that when you follow these Frankist popes, that what they were largely responsible. Was for the push for the worship of the Virgin Mary, or what they call Mariology. So, the, the the increasing importance of the worship of the Virgin Mary within the Catholic Church, which is again an esoteric uh, a doctrine disguising itself as Catholicism. So this is why when you find all of a sudden, uh, you know the 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 popes that were largely pushing for the adoption and the legitimization of the of the Secrets of Fatima, uh, they were popes who were tied, uh, according to this researcher, to a Frankist lineage. So it seems to basically be you know, um, 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 a Frankist agenda that is effectively working inside uh, the Catholic Church. So also important is that when you, I talked about the Asiatic brethren, and that's so, so uh, Prince Charles of Hassan Castle, he was a grand master. This was a Frankist Uh, organization. And so the the, the Frankists survived in various orders, particularly um, the Golden Dawn, uh, who consciously uh, saw themselves as inheritors of the Asiatic brethren. And uh, so as people, most people I I assume know, most listeners know that that associated with Golden Dawn were people like uh, Alistair Crowley, uh, one who founded the OTO. So the OTO claimed as one of their members Cardinal Rampola. And Cardinal Rampola, uh, he almost became Pope. And I can't remember what year it was 1918, somewhere around there. But uh, the vote was vetoed at the last minute. And uh, I can't remember which Pope uh, became Pope in his stead. But uh, the Pope said so basically at this time, you have the, the, the you know, there's a well known Carbonari conspiracy. Uh, Giuseppe Mazzini was the leader of it, and they wrote a a document called the Alta Vendita, which basically outlined a plan to uh, infiltrate the Catholic Church and install a uh, Masonic Pope. And um, so they failed with Cardinal Rampolla, but uh, the effort uh, remained in place, and they finally succeeded, according to insiders, with Vatican II. So mm-hmm. that's jumping ahead, but to go back to uh, the secrets of Fatima, basically now this becomes a core of the esoteric agenda, I think you could say. It very becomes uh, not an obvious component of the priority of Zion, but but nevertheless an essential component. So the, uh, everybody knows that the Illuminati was disbanded in 1785, 1786, but there was an order that seems to me. Uh, to have been more important. That's the Martinist order that was founded uh, around the same time it Was very closely affiliated with the Illuminati. And so the Martinist order into the uh, end of the 19th century, so late 1800s. Uh, becomes affiliated with a, with a, uh, an esoteric uh, tradition known as synarchism. Synarchism is a bizarre one. Basically uh, it's founded by a n- man named Saint yves uh, um, S- Alexander Saint Yves Dalvedre. And he marries a woman who is a who is a friend of Princess Louise of Hessen Kessel, who is the granddaughter of Prince Charles of Hessen Kessel, who is the uh, again the grandmaster of the um of the grand of the um the Asiatic brethren. She marries a Christian the ninth of Denmark, who is known as the um, I think that he's referred to as the grandfather of Europe because most of of, the, of uh, the, the leading aristocrats, European aristocrats in our time are descended from that marriage, including Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip.
2: So we have these families that are, are coming down and they're infiltrating the church. Yeah. And to to bring the Masonic order into the church. And they accomplished that is what you're saying. And they do
3: eventually Vatican II, yeah. So they failed right. at first with Cardinal Rampola.
2: Right. So now how does this come down to the consecration of Russia and right. the significance of that on the yeah. Ukraine?
3: Right. So basically so the synarchist movement this is a movement that claims to follow the, these guides from Agartha. Uh, Agartha is like a, a realm in the Hollow Earth, similar to Shambhala. and um, 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 so it's a movement that basically comes very closely. It's a movement that's largely responsible for the rise of fascism in the twentieth century. It's also very closely related with the Nazi movement. So um, out of that, you get you, you get a number of movements that arise from, and you get the Kabbalistic Order of the whole, of the Rosy Cross. And uh, this is where you get the beginnings of the identification of the Holy Grail with uh, the Kabbalah and and the Cathars in particular. And uh, so this is how the prior Zion myth uh, starts to to coalesce. And then you get other movements like particularly uh, the Rosicrucian, the American Rosicrucian Order, Amar, and um. um, yes, the sort of various modern Martinist uh, orders. So, uh, out of the out of these people, you get uh, there's an order called Brotherhood Polaire, who again uh, make uh, uh, telepathic contact with these guides uh, from Agartha, who are also identified with the Templars.
2: So, 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 just one second here, dear. Mm-hmm. So, so, when we're talking about these different um evolutions of this these families i mean like i always thought of fatima as as being not a an evil kind of thing but actually a, a welcomed kind of thing and i'm not sure are they all moving towards turning everything upside down are these families all moving in a direction contrary to divine law is is that what you're suggesting or is it kind of a a river that keeps flowing and changing and flowing and changing.
3: Well, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I I haven't heard an oral confession yet. So I, you know, I'm I'm having, it's, it's a lot of circumstantial evidence, but it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot. And uh, it does point to a, to a pattern. And so, um, you know, this, the, the worship of the goddess, of course, has been essential for going all the way back to Babylon. It's always been the, 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 the center the core of the of occult worship uh, always identified with Venus because the, the the Latin word for Venus is Lucifer and it's always been a it's always been a dual goddess a, an androgynous goddess so a combination of basically this is why ultimately esoterically again the um, the song of Solomon is uh, is referring to a dual uh, deity so you know, this this is the worship. If I if I can be speak frankly, it's the it's worship of Lucifer, and it always has been. It's it's a it's a very sort of convoluted kind of ideology but it's not just simply the worship of this you know evil so, entity.
2: So, are you saying that the worship of the goddess is, a, is an evil thing?
3: Well, it depends or... on how you do it, right? It depends. Mm-hmm. Like, so I mean, a lot of people. I mean, I'm certainly not going to say that you know. All the Catholics who worship or who venerate Mary are venerating evil. They they have no idea of what the esoteric significance of it is. But those mm-hmm. who introduced the the idea into the religion, I believe they were conscious of what they were doing. You know, that what happens mm-hmm. a lot is that, um, um, you know, it basically you have a cultist who, you know, we're living in different, very different circumstances, uh, you know let's say at least a thousand years ago than they are now. They they were in a much weaker position. So uh it wasn't as easy for them to uh to practice their beliefs out in the open. So some did. Uh, they often paid the price and uh so many of them had to try to disguise their uh their beliefs as a sort of interpretation or an esoteric uh uh version of Christianity.
2: Mm-hmm okay um, as as a as myself <laughs> having come from a Christian background and also revering the goddess I find that what I'm seeing is that there seems to be a bastardization of of spiritual life whether it's in the Christian church or it's in the pagan uh, families it's um, like I am not in any way on uh, leaning or even for casting spells to me that is like the lowest use of our consciousness it's a waste of time and it's and it's not productive but I am for creating my own reality so there's a difference it's like I think as a as beings as conscious beings we are uh, learning to embody the light of love. And so, you know, as I listen to the, the words you're using, I understand, and, and I can see in the Bible, you know, like the worship of Baal and so on, that these things were really horrific. That said, I don't think we can paint everything with the same brush. In other words, mm, I think we have to look at the spiritual essence rather than uh, just dogma. And right now, you're providing such a thorough, and I'm so grateful, such a thorough uh, view of history. I had no idea. I mean, it's so immense. And I know this is just like scratching a little piece of your book because I looked at the the uh, indexes of each of the six volumes and it was massive. And for anyone who really wants to know how things have evolved and um, the energy, the powers, how they've shifted, uh, certainly they're going to find it in your book, I'm sure. But I I find myself feeling uh, like hmm, when I think about in the olden days when they would take a woman and crucify her as a witch so they could steal her property. The Catholic Church would do that. And uh, so I'm I'm having some, I admit, I'm having some reactions to it. <laughs> so yep. no, I don't I understand. know. This yeah. is why,
3: you know, I'm always hesitant to, you know, I'm very careful about how I try to communicate these ideas because I don't want to come off like I'm condemning everybody who believes anything near to it, right? That's not what mm-hmm. I'm doing. This is not, a, this is not, I didn't get
2: that from you. I didn't get that from you. I don't feel any kind okay. of judgment on your part at all. Okay. Just, just saying.
3: Okay. I don't
2: yeah. know. Uh, Annette, Timothy, do you, either of you want to jump in? Because we've got an amazing guest here and you always have fabulous questions.
0: Well, uh, yes, I'd like to, I'd like to come in if I may, David. I'm, there, this is going to be an interesting show. I think the only way to do this is to probably invite you back, but maybe for now we should just start unraveling the, the ball of string for both ends at the same time. So
3: yeah.
0: We've, we've covered some of the foundations. Um yeah. and, and as I say, like Kintia just scratching at the surface here. Maybe we should, we need to come to fast forward a little bit and then sort of see yeah. more directly where we are today. Right. Uh, do you think that what is happening in the Ukraine, and again, I'm not trying any way to put words in your mouth, but what do you think yeah. is happening in the crucible of the Ukraine
3: yeah.
0: is predominantly a political or economic or religious conflict?
3: Or well, something that's
0: the else? thing. You, yeah, sure. Sorry. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, no worries. Or something completely different.
3: Yeah. So, you know, I mean, a core aspect of, you know, this is really why I call my book Order of Cow, because, um, it, it you know, after all these years, it, I, it finally dawned on me. I had a suspicion for a while that uh, when I started reading some of the, you know, more, more, more modern mysticism, I had a, I had a, a suspicion that uh, the book of Revelation might have been interpreted as a sort of blueprint for this, if the, the planning of the Illuminati or whoever I want to call them, the they, as you mentioned. And uh, until it finally dawned on me that the proof was there all along. And I, he, all these years that I had uh, read uh, uh, Albert Pike's Morals and Dogma, uh, I never realized that he was stating it right there. And that's the entire basically thesis of his book is that um, – you know, the 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 purpose of Freemasonry is effectively to fulfill the book of Revelation. And uh, this is why St. John, who is apparently the author, is uh, one of the patron saints of Freemasonry. And he, what's fascinating is that Albert Pike is, he says that the, the book of Revelation is a Kabbalistic book, which is a coded book. And he identifies the author uh, with Corinthus, who is a the funny thing is that the book of Revelation was the last book to have been accepted into the New Testament canon, it wasn't it? After a lot of debate and still with a lot of controversy, uh, wasn't it? wasn't accepted into canon until I think the year 400 or so, and one of the main reasons is because one of the suspected authors of it was a Gnostic, whose name was Corinthus, and Albert Pike basically affirmed. What's really interesting is that Albert, in in the in the the paragraphs where he affirms. The uh, Corinthus as the author of the book of Revelation is the same series of paragraphs where he he makes a very strange statement about Lucifer uh, being a strange name for, you know, uh, um, uh, for the the God of evil or something like that. I can't remember exactly how he phrased it.
0: David, just just maybe sharing my ignorance, but I thought the term Lucifer came into the into the Bible very late. To, and I've I've even heard people say that Lucifer, the reference to Lucifer is taking all of the, maybe more negative uh, comments or ne- negative actions in relation yeah. to the Jesus character, right. and then being allotted to a completely different entity called Lucifer in order to make a good versus evil type, uh, yeah, sort of setup. Yeah, is, is there any truth to that, or is it just hearsay?
3: Well, the, so the the thing is that evil in, exists independent of uh, of uh, the devil or, or however we want to call him, right? So evil basically is a is a is a it's a it's a pessimistic tendency. It's a it's a tendency that arise from human uh, human pessimism. You know, there's so much around us for us to see if we look at nature to to confirm that the order of life is goodness and caring, compassion and love, and but. There's those who, um, who who think who look at the universe and, and think that it exists without a creator, and so they become uh, pessimistic and believe that there is no purpose to it, and so that there is no morals, and that is a philosophy that has probably existed since the beginning of humanity, because it's any anybody who faces the the who who who. Who's, Chooses to face the existential question, they have one or two options, and so it depends on which way they they choose to go. So, so evil has always been that, and so evil basically is what Alistair Crowley called "Do what thou wilt," which is basically that um, uh, it's a dog eat dog out here. Uh, you have no responsibility towards your fellow man. Uh, on the contrary, you can seek your own advancement at their expense, and uh, in fact, the more you do so, the more you uh, you know, you 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 exercise or demonstrate your your superiority and your bravery and your willingness to face the you know the truth that there is no truth, and so this is why you find this this ideology. You'll find it way back into ancient times and how it was expressed. It was expressed in the worship of what's called the dying god, and this was a god uh, who was. Uh, scholars refer to it as a catonic deity, which is a deity identified with the underworld. And so this was a a, a god that was uh, typically associated uh, with uh, as a a sort of the the ruler of the underworld, ruler of the spirits of the dead. So uh, any magical practices could be dedicated to him, who would basically marshal the the support of the, the, you know, however you want to call them, uh, spiritual entities. And all, usually central to pleasing the, the you know, quote-unquote evil god was typically evil sacrifices. So this is why uh, from very ancient times you find the practice of, in, in particular, uh, the sacrifice of babies. So this David, is why... David,
0: yes. on, on that high note, um, we're going to need to go to the break, the break. at the top of the yeah. hour. But we'll, let's come back and continue. So you're listening to the other side of the news, and this evening's guest is David Livingston. And this show is entitled Chaos Out of Order. We'll be right back.
6: So suddenly they discovered this thing called deuterium. They've actually shown studies that depleting the water by 30% actually makes mice thrive and grow faster and increasing the deuterium in water by 30% kills them. So in every liter of water there's approximately six drops of deuterium. Well if we were to put six drops of cyanide in our water we probably wouldn't make it. A poison's a poison. Now this is an isotope so this is a radioactive but it is stable. But I believe deuterium serves many 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 purposes the history really what we should know is the global list have an agenda and their agenda is to keep us as dumbed down as possible and so we don't recognize what they do and we comply part of the way of doing that is keeping us sick most water is about 155 But anything about 120 actually can affect us from literally a psychosis level and affecting our pineal gland and our pituitary gland and, of course, our right brain. So what happens is excess deuterium makes us sick. Even on the National Institute Health website, they talk about deuterium helping propagate leukemia. And that's them admitting it because they always have to disclose their BS. That's them admitting it so you can imagine the other things that it does to our body. It We don't resonate. We don't sleep very well. I think it is the single biggest tool that the globalists, the cabal, it's the biggest tool they have that puts us in a state that we don't recognize anything and we don't resonate and vibrate at the highest level possible. Hello, Lewis Herms here. Wow, what a fantastic time on the other side of the news with the Eclectic Cast. What incredible information and I was so happy to be here.
4: Welcome back to the other side of the news. This evening, our special guest is David Livingston and our show is titled Chaos Out of Order. And actually, Timothy was in the middle of talking about some of the practices that we've been talking about, the historical background. So, Timothy, continue on, please.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Aneta. David, sorry to cut you off before the break. We were just... You just... Explaining about the sacrifice of babies, which is something I didn't really want to, you know, uh, miss the whole story there. That that's quite yeah. a significant point. Would you like
3: to continue? Yeah. So basically, that's the central story of the Bible, right? The, the, the in very few sentences, the entire story of the New Testament is that uh, the Jewish people are chosen uh, by God to be representatives of of righteousness to humanity. Um, they are enslaved in Egypt, uh, they are rescued by Moses, they are brought to Palestine, um, and which is a fulfillment of the promise, under the condition that they follow the Ten Commandments that were revealed, and they avoid, uh, in particular, the worship of the gods, of the people that they conquered, which is Baal and Astarte, the, the god and goddess, and to avoid uh, the pagan practices that are associated with it, uh, most infamously would be the practice of human sacrifice, or what's um, referred to in the Bible as passing their children through the fire of Moloch. Uh, There's also condemning things like divination and astrology and things like that as well, too. And so the story of the Old Old Testament is basically prophet after prophet being sent to reform the Jews who could, you know, repeatedly... uh, Um, rebel against God's commandments and do exactly the opposite of what they were told. So they, you know, uh, through the centuries are doing exactly, practicing these abominations until finally they are uh, uh, as prophesied, uh, they are taken into captivity in Babylon. And so it's in Babylon where they, instead of Babylon was supposed to be a punishment. It was supposed to have, you know, be a sign uh, that uh, God's uh, warning had been fulfilled. But instead, uh, um, you know, the, there's a group of them who basically um, uh, adopt Babylonian magic and astrology and mix it with the with the worship of the dying God and create the tradition of the Kabbalah. So uh, anybody who's read my uh, other books, they know that the main story for me that I follow then is how that Kabbalistic tradition was spread first to to Egypt, where it created the Hermetic tradition, and to Egypt, sorry, to Greece, where it created the philosophical tradition, and in the Middle East, particularly Alexandria, where it all kind of uh, mixed in together with Neoplatonism and the ancient mysteries, and that's where you really get the birth of the Western esoteric uh, tradition. It's
0: uh the amount of work you've done is in, incredible, I have to say. And I I find myself I, I don't wish to be um what's the word? Uh, I don't I don't wish to sort of um have an arm wrestle, a verbal arm wrestle with you at all. That's not Understood. my intention at all. It's just I'm just thinking in the constraints we have of this show yeah. in order to uh highlight the this the sort of the, the topic of today. Top, I I'd like to I'd like to bring you back to the Ukraine, if possible. Yeah, because exactly. Okay, I'm just going to throw in a, a hot gypsy at the moment. Um, I was doing some research about a week ago, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a fairly interesting uh, sort of you know, documentary made um, about uh, the, the rise of fascism and mm-hmm. uh, one, one person's opinion. I'm not saying this is a fact. I'm just saying this is one person's opinion was... Yep. If we go into uh the origins of the name Nazi, for example, the n a was part of the national socialist uh sort of background, and the Z i was actually coming from uh the Zionist site, which I found quite right. interesting and quite quite surprising to hear to hear yeah. that. Can you offer any sort of pedigree or any background to that, or is that just some something made up and you know to to gain? likes and clicks
3: mm. i've never heard of that association but um yes it's a very sort of mysterious history i mean if you the the if you want to look at the 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 genealogy of the nazi ideology you have to go back to the golden dawn and further back to the asiatic brethren so again this is the order of where uh the prince of Hessen and kessel was, uh Charles Hesse Kessel was the grand master, and he was the one who first introduced the the adoption of the of the swastika so the swastika basically became a symbol of the Asiatic brethren, I guess probably going all the way back to the eighteen hundreds
0: the, uh, yeah, the, the origin
3: of the swastika comes from it, so, the swastika. Buddhism. so basically of the frankist movement was a basically heretical Jewish movement adopted the swastika to to be honest and yes. so so, so the so that Asiatic brethren it evolved into a number of groups, particularly the SRIA, which is the I don't know how to pronounce this, so the English Rosicrucian Society, and um, the Golden Dawn, and um, and basically out of that you have the Theosophical Society. So, you know, of course, the Theosophical Society took the the concept of the Aryan race, uh, which again was developed. Um, um, I don't want to go off on too many tangents but like just to give you a quick quick example the the man who termed the word aryan was Friedrich Schlegel and he had married uh, Dorothea uh, Mendelssohn the daughter of Moses Mendelssohn who was a um he was considered a successor he was the leader of the Haskalah which is the the the, the Jewish enlightenment and he was considered an ordained successor of Shabbatai zavi so just to give you a clue of you know how this Spatian tradition has uh, persisted all, all these all these years, so um, um, yeah, coming up to you know, so basically this is where the Nazi ideology formulated and and there there's I have a, my chapter on Zionism touches a lot on a lot of these sort of this cross fertilization, so the 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 a lot of the backing for uh, I mean, first the Bolshevik Revolution and ultimately the, the, the Nazi movement came from the Warburgs. And the Warburgs were intermarried, closely related with the Schiff family and associated with Kunlo Bank. Uh, another person who was very key character was Otto Kahn. And Otto Kahn was a friend of Alistair Crowley. They're also friends with uh, Felix Frankfurter, another uh, key Zionist. So if you look at most of the early, uh, the earliest Zionists, most of them were known Sabbatians. uh people, especially people like uh, Rabbi Wise, uh, Judge Brandeis, uh, Felix Frankfurter. Um, you know, most of the key leading uh, Zionists were, uh, because it, the the thing is that academics debate uh, about the survival of the of the Sabbatians and Frankist movements, and uh, most of them think that they disappeared before the turn of the twentieth century, and there's only a few people. Who were have been confirmed as modern day uh, Frankists, and uh, those few, there's a the handful of them, were all the, basically the founders of the Zionist movement. So, I have a whole chapter that shows the interconnection then between the Rothschild family, the um, the these early Zionists associated with Golden Dawn, and the Jack the Ripper murders, which took place in uh, tenement houses that were owned by the Rothschilds. And this Masonic symbolism, of course, that was associated with it. And closely with, basically, that's where you start to get into things like the the, the, um, the Order of the Golden Fleece, which is very important. The modern, uh, the, 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 in, through the 20th century, the grand master of the Golden, Order of the Golden Fleece was Otto von Habsburg. And Otto von Habsburg was the co-founder of the Pan-European Union, which is the organization which advanced the synergist agenda uh, to create a European Union. And so the 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 leading exponent of this entire tradition, you know, I can skip all the details in between because there's many of them, but if you want to carry forward, you know, I, I mentioned Saint Yves Dalred, who's the founder of the movement. So if you jump ahead uh you know, nearly 150 years, of who is the leading exponent of this, what they call traditionalism today, it's Alexander Dugin. And he is the one who's considered to be Putin's Rasputin, or Putin's brain as they call him, and he's very much been the architect of Putin's agenda. So he, he is part of this entire tradition, which is based on the myth of the prior of Zion, the prophecies of Nostradamus and the secrets of Fatima. and all this, all these uh, basically uh, you know rivers of, of influences uh, coalesce uh, in his agenda, uh, uh, who basically sees uh, Putin as the prophecy fulfilled prophecy of uh, Nostradamus' grand monarch as well as um, uh, who also sees the the fulfillment of the Third Secret of Fatima and the consecration of Russia as being a crucial part of bringing about the end times. Uh, He's a Luciferian as well too, so uh, his version of the end times is basically the opposite or the mirror image of what uh, most uh, uh, Christians uh, uh, believe. I can read to you a, a quick uh, bit from what Malachi Martin said. So Mal as I mentioned
0: David, just give us a, a date reference here because I'm I'm just trying to coalesce and sort of bring all this together in my head. Yeah. When you when you say this 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 statement you're about to read, when yes. when when is this I think this would have been in the eighties. So I don't know if you're familiar
3: with Malachi Martin. Uh
0: I've I've certainly listened to some of the um, the interviews with him, but I, I can't right. confess I know a great deal about his background,
3: though. Yeah, so he's an interesting person. Um, he was uh, basically a Zionist agent working inside one of the key Zionist agents of Vatican II. There was two aspects to Vatican II. So, you know, one of the key things that happened to Vatican II is basically, you know, a flood of infiltration of uh, Freemasons into the Catholic Church. Like I mentioned, it was a friend of Malachi Martin who basically— his name is uh, uh, Nanda Kuriswarum, um, Kuras, and he. It's according to him that um, the 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 Vatican II was a fulfillment of the mission, the failed m- mission uh, to install Cardinal Rampola, uh, who had, like I mentioned earlier, was a member of the Alice Crowley's OTO.
0: So that was the first attempt.
3: Yes, that was the first attempt. in Vatican II was finally, you know, the finishing the finishing the, the, the Carbonari plot that had started in the late 1800s to install a Masonic Pope. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a very interesting history about Jean-Paul II. Jean-Paul II, uh, you know, there's various accounts that he was truly, actually, actually uh, Jewish. Um, he came philosophically, he came from uh, a background in the study of people like Heidegger and Edmund Herschel. And in rehearsal, you know, these are guys who were, I mean, um, uh, Heidegger was an avowed Nazi. Uh, her, her soul as well basically was tied to sort of a Sabbatian tradition too, as I show in my book. Uh, uh, John Paul II was another one key uh, key proponent of the, the worship of Mary, did probably more than any other pope to advance uh, the Mariology inside the Catholic Church. And so what Malachi Martin said, He said, there's some unfinished chapter or paragraph in John Paul II's life before he dies in connection with Russia. His destiny is tied with Kiev in Ukraine and with Moscow. Why, I don't know, but I know this much, uh, and that's what he has told me. Referring to the third secret of Fatima, uh, Martin says, Russia is within the plan. That would take me too far afield into papal secrets, why Russia and Kiev are involved in the final solution of this problem, but they are. Uh, it says, it's God's plan that, quote, uh, salvation f- shall come from the East for all of us. So, Malachi Martin is a key conspirator in all of this whole, you know, tradition. And as I mentioned, really, the leading exponent today would be Alexander Dugan. Mm. So, so there's two things happening, right? You have, there's, I don't know if you want to ask me a question first, but I can I can, I was going to elaborate further on that.
0: Well, elaborate first. I, I don't want to throw you okay. off because I, yeah. I want to sort of check yeah. in on miles milestones in the yeah. conversation, and maybe Anetta or Kintia have other
3: questions as well. Right. But let, let's elaborate a little bit first. Yes. So there's two aspects that are happening here, right? So clearly, um, um, the Americans have a have, a, have a, a a key role in what happened. And so with you know the the um, with the fall of the Soviet Union, the Americans made a deal. Uh, with uh, Russia, that NATO that um, NATO could join, um, Germany could join NATO as long as they didn't expand any further. And of course, they betrayed that uh, agreement. And so the the Americans have been uh, instigating, as people likely know, most of the revolutions, like the 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 Arab Spring, and things like the um, the color revolutions. And uh, they've been doing that with various front organizations, CIA front organizations like um, the National Endowment for Democracy, uh, the Open Society, George Soros' Open Society. And they, you know, spread the quote, they, they're supposedly ostensibly working to spread democracy, but of course, they, it's it their um, fronts for American imperialism. And so they've been trying to push deeper and deeper into Ukraine, and they've been warned against that by Putin for quite a while. Uh, uh, You know, it's the Americans that uh, basically instigated the Orange Revolution and finally the Euromaidan uh, Revolution, in league with neo-Nazis.
0: And that was back in, what, 2014
3: or something? Yeah, so Orange Revolution was 2003 and Euromaidan was 2014. Yes. And um, so, you know, there's no good guys in this contest. Um, This, you know, the, the um, Americans' actions have clearly been underhanded. But uh, so on the other side of the scale here now... So you're, are... you're talking about
0: Victoria Newlin, that whole conversation that came to light and so on. Yes, Exactly,
3: okay. exactly. So now we have Alexander Dugan. And so what's weird about Dugan is, first of all, he's a follower of Crowley. He's, like I said, he's the modern exponent of, of, um, of traditionalism or the Signarchist tradition. He basically, his entire... Uh, world outlook is founded on the, the Polar Brotherhood that I mentioned earlier, who are who were supposedly channeling uh, the, the the these guides, the Templar guides from Agartha, and what he's aiming to do, in his own words, is basically to bring about the Empire of the End Times, and uh, he believes that Putin is you know sort of the the prophesied redeemer who's going to play the, the the functional role in this story, and so what he's trying to do is he's trying to set up. Uh, what he's called uh, basically a Eurasian network or Eurasian empire, which is to unite uh, Russia and all people of the Orthodox faith as well as the peoples of uh, Central Asia. And so his his whole outlook is based on a dichotomy between what he calls Atlantis and Hyperborea. And uh, this again is an ideology that goes back to the Polar Brotherhood and, and traditionalism. And so he he sees um, he calls he he used, in fact he uses the, the philosophy of Karl Schmidt I don't know if you know of him he's known as the crown jurist of the Third Reich he's the Karl Schmidt is the guy who's a key figure in what's called the German conservative revolution he also uh, he's he's the one who came up with the, um, the 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 state of exception which was used to uh, justify uh, Hitler's seizure of power. And he came up with this land and sea dichotomy, and so the 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 Atlantis is a sea power. Uh, they both have, you know, an occult pedigree, uh, an Aryan, ancient Aryan pedigree, but the uh, um, the the so Atlantis is NATO and the United States, and Hyperborea is Russia, and so uh, the way that. So basically, what what Dugin is explaining, people probably are familiar with the clash of civilization, which was articulated by the uh, neocons. So after the fall of the Soviet Union, the the neoconservatives, you know, forecasted that the world would then be divided. Uh, you know, the, the the national lines wouldn't have the same significance. It would be what they call civilizational blocks. David,
0: and,
3: yes, you, I mean,
0: I, I hear what you're saying, and. You know, there are probably a hundred questions for almost every sentence you're coming up with. But again, because of the constraints of time, yes. in order to respect your flow as well, I, 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 I'm, I'm listening to you because I, I, I'm very curious to learn more. Um, I'm just just hearing just, just to review a little. We're talking about uh, Putin enacting a role or people thinking that he's enacting a role yes. in, in, in a grand plan. Yeah. Um, now that is obviously an opinion from from one point of view but yeah from what i'm seeing what i i i guess go as far as say what i believe is happening at the moment is something which is it it, it's a theater where not just one side is is active i think both sides are active in in fulfilling some form of theater or plan and maybe the outcome is is not a certainty and and you know obviously the casualties are and victims it, nobody seems to care too much about them no so they're used in in publicity and media uh to yeah. gain to gain interest and, and concern and, and and so on but for me what i see is 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 in the grand plan. It, it's almost like two sides are like teeth on corresponding gears which are turning yeah. and as they turn and they interlace in, as they interlock you know that the power swings from one side to another over over centuries or or millennia, yeah. Um, and that is almost the currency of of evolution. That sounds you know, perhaps very cold and very negative, but it, it's almost this flux that that allows the world to progress. Do you think there's any truth to that? I mean, is this? I mean, you obviously far more.
3: I mean, aware, there could aware. be, but this is conscious, so. Dugin basically explains this. What I'm saying is that um, I, I hate to see like I'm going too deep, but this is why he's creating the mirror image of what the neoconservatives conservatives uh, did. So the, how, when they predicted that the West would be in confrontation with a, you know, um, an Orthodox uh, civilization headed by Russia, that's exactly what Dugin is creating. And when you look at what he, how, what he explains in that, the esoteric significance is that uh, that Hyperborea is fighting Atlantis not because they it's not because they hate each other. So what he's saying is that he's creating he's working to create this Eurasian empire, you know, as Hyperborea to fight uh, NATO and, and America, not because he hates them. He, he, it's because each has to fulfill the historical role that they are born into.
0: That's what I'm trying to right. scratch at. Yes, and right. that's what I'm saying. It's not just one sided. I think that the, for example, if you take the American side, you know, for example, not just American, but the American and the West and the EU and, and uh, the UK and a and whole bunch of other yeah. uh, entities in bringing in these sanctions, for example, which, you know, have created an awful lot of publicity. Mm-hmm. and uh they they may not actually be as effective as as they they may seem mm-hmm. and in doing in bringing these in sanctions in it is also herding together you know China India, and Russia just for a start yeah. uh which is a huge group of people, which is exactly what you're saying that you know in 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 a normal sort of scenario that's exactly what you would not want to do. You would not want to bring these these powers together. You'd want to keep yeah. them separate to make them weaker. Right. So it looks like both sides are enacting
3: their role. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So it's all—it's a role to bring about the the end times. And end
0: times, people reference that as what Armageddon
3: or, or yeah, the whole storyline. The whole story. So the return of the Messiah, the rebuilding of the Third Temple, the 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 arrival of Gog and Magog, uh, the Battle of Armageddon, the thousand years reign of peace. The whole story.
0: So depending on people's outlook, you know, Armageddon can be a terrible, awful event that's it's just on the horizon. On the other hand, other people can be rejoicing because it's it's the it's the start the of the chaos phase. necessary
3: to bring about the order. Yes right so these are luciferians right so they 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 they're not atheists they believe in the same bible scenario as christians do but they want to play the opposite side so that's they're consciously working to bring they're bringing they're working on it more consciously christians are and jews and muslims are waiting for it to happen whereas luciferians are actively working to make it happen it's okay, it's, so... it's the core of their of their ideology and this this comes back
0: to you know the... Uh, the Sabatians, who also, I I know little about them, but I've obviously read about them over, over the years, but they're a group who I believe wanted to gain power, but they did it in difficult circumstances. So they actually would project the inverse of their belief in order to be invisible. But as you say, infiltrate powerful positions in order to ultimately come together and, and take over and make change. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: So if you when you read Dukin's uh writings, he's a defender of Shabbatai Zavit. He basically sees himself in, in a direct way as an inheritor of the Sabatian tradition as well too. Mm. Wow. Well, so uh
0: I, I Did I cut you off? Because if you if you want to finish your point, please do. No,
3: that's kind of the end point. That I means that that's the that's the key story, right? There's no there's no good guys and bad guys in this case, right? It's all it's all theater, and mm. um, uh, you know they're they're both all of them are playing their roles, and it all it all ties in together. It's all it, it's all they're all playing a role in, in a in a script that it's lead that it's going to uh you know it's, it's all leading to the same conclusion and that's why you can tie in everything ties back together you know transhumanism you know um, um, uh, uh id chips uh you know the great reset the covid you know the the whole thing is all uh, mixed in uh, you know uh, the the uh, dugan's uh, empire of the end times uh, biden's actions it's it's all working it's all leading towards the same end
1: so
0: what do you believe the who, who who do you believe they are? Having done thirty years of research, when mm-hmm. people say they, obviously it's a very vague term. Yeah, but who who is the ultimate puppet master?
3: Um, you know, I talked about earlier about these kings of Jerusalem, the, these families who uh, who claim descent from David. Uh, the the organization that probably. Is really the most key organization behind those families would be the Order of the Golden Fleece, mm. and um, 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 the, the the so the 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 Otto von Habsburg was the was the his his family is really this the, his family in fact uh, going all the way back to um, um, not Kevin, Maria Teresa and her son Joseph too were very closely related to the Frankist movement. They were both protectors of Jacob Frank. Uh, there's a rumor that um, uh, Joseph II had an affair with Ava Frank, Jacob Frank's daughter. Um, they were hereditary grandmasters of the Order of the Golden Fleece. They were also associated with the Asiatic Brethren, as well as the uh, Order of Golden and the Rosy Cross, which is very closely associated with the Asiatic Brethren. So the so Otto von Habsburg comes from a family which is very closely connected to the you know the, the occult, which is why he's also significant in the um, the 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 myth of the prior of Zion. He he was one of the co-founders of what an organization called the Circle, the CERCLE, founded by Antoine Pinay, who uh, and Jean Violet. And this is an organization which is basically the umbrella of the fascist international. So all of the leading neo-Nazi and sort of Luciferian Nazi organizations, satanic Nazi organizations, tend to be affiliated one way or the other with Le CERC, Le CERC, and this is an organization which basically worked hand-in-hand. In In fact, the entire neo-Nazi network uh, in the post-World War II period worked very closely with the CIA, uh, largely uh, to destabilize uh, destabilize, uh, communist influence in Europe, particularly in Italy and places like South America. And so what's interesting is that um the 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 key one of the two key architects of the uh, prior, prior Zion myth uh, are Raymond de Bellio and Jean Parvulescu. and Raymond de Bellio was a friend of Antoine Pinay who was the founder of the circle Antoine Pinay was also one of the founders of the Bilderberg uh, meetings Raymond de, so uh, Jean Parvulescu was a mentor to Alexander Dugan so just to show you that this is a very tight network um, you know, Alexander Dugan is not just one rare occultist with some weird ideas. He's really, really integral to the entire history of the core of occultism in the 20th century.
0: That's fascinating. David, we, we're up at that time to take a break. Okay. Uh, but when we come back, I, ha- I still have many questions for you, as I'm sure Kintia and Anessa May will have as well for you. We are listening to The Other Side of the News, and this edition is called... Chaos Out of Order, and our special guest is David Livingston.
1: My background in education is in uh, evidence-based medicine and research methods out of the University of Toronto. Graduate school there, then I went on to Oxford in evidence-based medicine, and then on to McMaster for my doctorate and postdoc in evidence-based medicine. I also did some st- program at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore in biological warfare, weaponization of pathogen in 2001. Basically how you would take viruses, bacteria, etc. Any type of pathogen and, and weaponize them, put them on a missile to use them for nefarious means. And I wanted to learn as an epidemiologist in case my city or my country just to understand how it works and if that can be done. I was working at the WHO Pan American Health mid-2019 and then we started to get these cases out of Italy in January February These, these images on the television of people dropping dead I'm speaking to you honestly as a scientist but openly those images out of China were fake that was part of this game to scare the the world. At that time, WHO asked me to change my position and to become a pandemic advisor to them because they were the global agency and they didn't know what was going on. Because of my training in evidence based medicine and research methods and clinical epidemiology, they wanted me to help them understand what was coming out of China and Italy. So I actually was connected to WHO on PAHO in the beginning of the COVID outbreak. And a lot of their messaging was from me. People like me, behind the scenes, we took a lot of beating from the press and hammering because we were calling for a balanced, age-stratified approach. Damage had already been done by Fauci and books. It was Fauci and books' lockdowns that harmed America, killed people. Many people died in America because of their lockdowns. It was Fauci refusal to admit and to recognize the potency of early outpatient treatment but the groups I work with now like Dr. Pierre Corey, Dr. Peter McCullough etc we champion early treatment and we have you know the treatment plans and stuff where you treat the infected high-risk person early prevents hospitalization and death Fauci and they damaged us in that regard they would refuse to recognize the antivirals. We have estimates now of the 750,000 Americans, quote unquote, who may have died from COVID, about 700,000 would be alive today, 90%. And that's our max. When we look at the data, thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans died because of the NIH and the CDC refusal to allow doctors to prescribe early outpatient treatment. I have many, I know many doctors, many of them across America, right now fighting their state boards and stuff for their licenses. Their licenses have been stopped or pulled. Their treatment being fired because they prescribed early treatment that was helping their patients. I'm Dr. Paul Alexander, and uh, I have really thoroughly enjoyed the opportunity to be on the other side of the news. Because it has shown me to be one of the forums that probably one of the only forums that allows one to be fully expressive and to uh, and to share how they really feel about the events um, in the hopes of sharing with a larger audience and an exchange of ideas so that people can become much more informed and understand the situation around them for their own decision making. So I am very thankful of this opportunity for The Other Side of the News.
2: And welcome back to The Other Side of the News. Our guest tonight is David Livingston, and our show is called Chaos Out of Order. And we're in a lively discussion with Timothy and David. Take it away, Timothy.
0: David, I uh, okay. I think this is fascinating that we're we're underlying uh, who may be the puppet masters, who um, mm-hmm. certainly you know highlighting which direction they, the strings are coming from. I'd like to again sort of bring it up to date, bring it up to today a little bit if possible, because if in fact you know everyone is is playing out their role in this, this grand theatre. Then, you know, everybody must be in on it. And that's just too big an idea for most people to take on board. And they sort of overload and just go back to the mainstream media and say, OK, well, it must be like it is on TV. So but, you know, I I can see that this has been a plan that's been I can see what I say is I can see from the reading I've been doing for the last few decades is this this is a bit is a plan coming to fruition. Potentially, it doesn't mean it's it's a fait accompli. It does. It means that we can still throw a spanner in the works. We can still, you know, uh, in in sort of martial arts, you can use the motion of the opponent to to just, you know, put the trip in at the right moment and they go flying on their face. So we, we can still use this and we, we it's not as I say, it's not a done deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think obviously it's important to understand who is enacting which role. Mm-hmm. so. If we look at, for example, you mentioned George Soros, that was going to be one of my questions earlier. He He's this sort of happy face that seems to pop up in uh, many, many places around the world. at, at sort of uh, uh, worrying times, should we say. Mm-hmm. Um, can, we, can we do like a sort of a quick fire on organizations and names and figureheads and just ask you for sort of a one sentence answer, if that's possible to what you think, uh, where they, yeah. where they stand? Uh-huh. So where do you think George Soros is in all of this?
3: I mean, his, his organizations are CIA fronts, so they're, they're used to destabilize, particularly Eastern Europe, which is his whole home territory. This is why, you know, um, when the Russians uh, did all their, quote unquote, fake news to try in support of Trump, a lot of, uh, you know, um, the, 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 Soros was often the boogeyman that was called out because he was largely a threat to Russian interests.
0: I see. And not just in Eastern Europe, it was also he was behind Black Lives Matter, I believe. Correct. Yeah. He funded Black Lives Matter. Yeah, He funded or he fronted? I mean, is is he like a like a like a division that they they call in at a certain time to sort of, you know, work his magic and make make objectives come to fruition?
3: My not, I don't know. The, the right. little I know is that he he contributed substantial sums, and that's as far as I, you know, that this whole racial division is a is an ongoing uh, uh, cleavage, which has been very useful for the these powers. Oh, I, I yeah, I totally agree. I mean,
0: uh, Black Lives Matter, blatant uh, lies and manipulation. I think that's a better better. Uh, translation of BLM, but uh, okay. So, World Economic Forum. Where do we get? Where we stand with the World e- Economic Forum? What about Klaus Schwab?
3: Um, I mean, he's he's kind of a he's a more of a new factor for me. He's not I haven't studied a lot that led to him, but I mean, he. I think. You know, we can go back to very simply the relationship. I think really what symbolizes, what ties it all together, is the close friendship between Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein.
0: Yes, yeah, they're also on my quickfire list, but yeah, (laughs) I'm happy you brought them up. (laughs) Yeah,
3: so that's really so symbolic of the whole thing. I mean, so obviously Bill Gates worked closely with W F to, you know, uh, orchestrate this pandemic as people like to refer to it, uh, has been working very closely uh, with Moderna for a decade, uh, developing this MRE technology, uh, which is a company founded by, I think is Robert Langer, is one of his name is, another defender of Jeffrey Epstein. Mm. Um, you know, Jeffrey Epstein has been an important funder of transhumanist uh, research for quite some time.
0: I heard he wants to create his own race seeded by himself.
3: Yes, he's got to have some strange ideas, and uh, you know. So you look at the list of his connections. Um, you know, he he's also he's also friendly with uh, John Brockman, who's another procure, and John Brockman is identified as a fascinating book. Sorry, sorry a documentary, a German documentary called uh, it's called The Net in English, and uh, exposes the network. Uh, around John Brockman who were attacked by the Unibomber. and then uh, shows the, the connection uh, the, the, all the pe- these people's connections basically to the birth of personal computer and the internet and so on and so forth so you know it just shows you how all these characters it already all comes together and that's why I think they're all playing a role right I, that's why I don't think we can really distinguish between east and west and so on and so forth they're all components of this they, they all come together ultimately. You know, what's really weird is I found too, is that um, the I've got a whole chapter on the, uh, what, I, uh, what I call the me, chapters titled Me Too, and it connects, it connects, uh, you know, not only Jeffrey Epstein, but it's entire network of people who are uh, uh, involved in some very dubious activities, not only, you know, um, uh, questionable sexual behaviors, but, a lot of other connections. So like in particular, um, um, there is, what's her name? Elizabeth of Yugoslavia, Princess Elizabeth of Yugoslavia. She's the current patroness of the order of the Lee. And what I show in my book is that th- these families, the, the kings of Jerusalem as as I refer to them, there's two organizations that they're closely affiliated with. One of them is the Order of the Golden Fleece, and the other is the Order of the Lee. The Order of the Lee was founded by uh, Rene of Anjou in the in the um, I guess 1500s. Again, tied to uh, people like Nostradamus. Mm. and uh, so this is why when you look at the the Grand Masters, the people who are listed, the Grand Masters of the Priory of Zion, most that, that list mirrors. Very much the list of, of, um, of, um, I can't remember what the word is uh, that the Rosic- that the uses, but basically it's a list followed from adopted from amorc and it's also a list list that parallels a lot of people uh, connected with both the Order of the Lee and the Order of the Golden Fleece. Okay, her daughter, uh, who was uh, uh, Catherine Oxenberg, one of the stars of Dynasty, briefly married. Uh, uh, Robert Evans. And Robert Evans was the uh, director, uh, producer, sorry, of numerous uh, movies like The Cotton Club, The Godfather, but most importantly Rosemary's Baby. Of course, Rosemary's Baby is the movie that ties, uh, directed by Roman Polanski, uh, another convicted pedophile, uh, that connects him to uh, that entire circle of Charles Manson, The Process Church, and you, that network, so that's basically sort of the underlying satanic network that seems to tie a lot of it. What I also, what I showed, particularly in connection to uh, what's happening in Ukraine, is that the Azov battalion. So the, the Americans have been, of course, as well known, teaming up with Nazis to help destabilize the Ukraine or pull them towards the, the towards NATO. Uh one of the one of the neo-Nazi uh, organizations that they've been supporting is the Azov Battalion. So the Azov Battalion is part of a of a, of a of a sort of a broad network of neo-Nazi, satanic organizations, active today that are part are, that are uh, known as accelerationists, and they basically they 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 follow a, a, an idea that's similar to what was proposed by Charles Manson, and the Process Church which is the belief that they need to help accelerate the coming of the end times by uh, contributing to the chaos. So it's an entire network of, uh, of these Nazi organizations. What's interesting is that one of the most important ones is called actually is a forum called Iron March. And a lot of these uh, organizations sort of coalesced on that uh, online forum and it was founded by a guy who claims to have been recruited by Alexander Dugan.
0: Interesting. This. Again, to sort of build up the, the the backdrop, where, and again, to try and go back to a quick fire setup, where, where does Anthony Fauci fit in with all of this? I don't know. <laughs> <In> your opinion. <laughs> I don't know. He, he's suddenly gone very quiet. He was the uh, yes. popular for so many yeah. months.
3: Well, I mean, you know, the the problem is he's, there are a lot of danger, right? They, they were implicated in covering up the fact that they knew uh, that, um that uh, COVID was leaked out of Wuhan. And it's, you know, there's, there's enough evidence there's, you know, the, the, the vaccines are a lot way too similar to the patents that were bought by Moderna. You know, it's pretty evident that they, they manufactured this uh, created, orchestrated this pandemic. Yeah. It, it's,
0: it, it's just unbelievable how a lot of information is just coming out between the headlines. Now, mm-hmm. obviously uh the the focus is now on the Ukraine, the economy, and then yes. around the corner. We have uh, uh, computer uh, internet being shut down potentially, or certainly the harms bill in the UK is like at the first step to sort of stop independent voices actually even making it to the airwaves. Yeah, um, there's an awful lot of things slipping through at the moment. There is, yeah. Okay, so we've we've touched on Epstein, Gates, Fauci. What about some of the more, organ, more the organizations? I mean, do you do you think the uh, it sounds like NATO has been compromised according to what you've been saying, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization?
3: Yeah, um, yeah. And
0: what about the WHO? How about that? Well,
3: I mean, the NATO and as a and sorry, the UN as a whole was basically you know, it's it's the junior New World Order, right? So yes. I mean, I, every organization is there as as a stepping stone towards the global government.
0: So we we truly are living in a world uh, where the organizations we were sort of uh, taught to trust as we were growing up are, in fact, according to to this, uh, in supporters or of or are themselves inverted.
3: Yes, I think so. Mm.
0: Well, that's it, everybody. Have a nice
3: weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, there was one interesting founding, finding that I had um, last year is that, uh, as I mentioned, you know, the, the, the Rosicrucian movement was timed with the year 1663 with the Great Conjunction. Yes. And so, as I mentioned, it happens every 20 years. But the, there's a particular uh, timing which is really rare and only happens every uh, so many centuries. So the 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 last time, so so the last significant one was 1623. Uh, the next significant one was uh, 2020. Interesting. And uh, what's interesting is that what I found interesting, regular, and suspicious was that the first uh, European royal to announce that he had uh, caught COVID. Uh, weeks after, I think this was in February or March 20, uh, 2020, just as the, 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 the news was starting to spread, was Karl von Habsburg, the son of Otto Habsburg, who has now taken over Grand Mastership of the Order of the Golden Fleece, which he inherited from his father, who passed away uh, a few years ago. Mm. So I just think, uh, you know, the, the it's not an accident. Evidently, he wants to participate in uh, fanning the hysteria. And uh, so, you know, presumably there's a role there. So I think when you start to tie all these things together, uh, you have the Order of the Golden Fleece, the Order of the Lee, uh, these various satanic organizations worldwide, the crew organization, anyway, Yeah. so like, uh, you know, uh, I mean, many years ago would have been the process church, but uh, these modern sort of neo Nazi orders and uh, and always, I think Freemasonry is there. The Knights of Malta is a very important organization as well, and uh, the the circle uh, used to be one as well. Okay.
0: Well, I, I want to ask you very briefly again because we're the, the show is 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 running fast. Um, do you think there are people manipulate their life, like the length, the longevity of their lives, and, or perhaps not necessarily their physical. Being, but do you think people manipulate the sort of recorded longevity of people's lives i mean for example you, you just mentioned royalty i was just thinking about queen elizabeth ii right um yeah this is a big year for her because it's yep. the 70th um anniversary which is you know it's platinum i believe yep. so there's a lot of celebrations a lot of ceremonies planned and, and maybe you know it, it's it's expected or ordained or written or I, I don't know what it is maybe maybe it's yeah. just that they don't want to give power to to charles just yet no um yeah. uh which i would certainly um support that um i was going to ask you this sort of again there's this sort of list of quick fire questions. royal family uk um it seems she has a face on a lot of uh, banknotes around the world. When she lives in a, a little island, and um, I'm I am British myself. But what do you think about that today? What's your take on that?
3: Um, I mean, so the the her that that royal family, they're the descendants of the alchemical wedding, right? Direct descendants. You, there's a there's a very uh, clear tree that uh, descends from George the First, and as I mentioned. Ah, uh, Princess Louise of Hessen Kessel and Christian IX of uh, Christian the of Denmark, who is referred to as the father-in-law of Europe. And so there's a very clear family tree um, of descendants. and Prince Charles, sorry, Prince Philip is part of that network. And it's also um, Princess Sophia, I think, is the wife of Juan Carlos of Spain. Mm-hmm. Was also he's so the, the daughter of the golden fleece has two branches there's the Habsburg branch and the Spanish branch, and he would be the leader of the Spanish branch, and then various other uh royals that are all uh part of this you know uh, network of descendants. Prince Charles, I just wrote and put it together an article about Prince Charles that sort of you know com, uh, put brings together all the pieces that I have distributed in my book about him, it's pretty fascinating. His um, um his four siblings, his four sisters uh, were all married to Nazis or members of the Nazi party. His mother had a very interesting um, uh, uh, life. She uh, basically, she was declared a schizophrenic by students of Freud uh, because she believed herself to be the bride of uh, Christ and that she had had a sexual relationship with Christ. So she was committed to a hospital under the care of Freud's uh, students. And uh, she was also a member or a student of what's called the uh, the School of Wisdom. And this was uh, founded by, um, I can't remember, his first name is Kaiserling. The School of Wisdom was basically really central to the core part of the, um, Carl Jung was associated with it. It was a core part of the um, um, uh, German Conservative Revolution. So basically, you know, sort of a early um, uh important influence on the fascist movement as well, too. Um, so it just shows you the ties of uh, these uh, people. Um, so I think I think her significance is probably symbolic uh, to people who, uh, I mean, again, if she is probably of some kind of Davidic descent, is what she's probably perceived to be for sure. Uh, there's numerous people in her lineage who have claimed Davidic descent. So, yeah, I think that she's some kind of uh, she probably holds some kind of symbolism for, you know, this uh, tradition, which is being preserved and advanced uh, and and work working towards this particular end that we've been talking about.
0: Mm. I have two more questions, and California is being very quiet over there. But two questions is when do you think this this end may arrive? I mean, are we talking months,
3: years, decades? I don't know. I have no idea. We'll have to see. Right. Like, I don't think we should be. I, in fact, I find too many people are focused on trying to figure out what's happening as opposed to what we're supposed to be doing. So, the um, you know, the, this plan is going to continue to advance as long as we don't do anything about it. We need to recognize that it's like you said, right? It's not a done deal. Uh, there's still time. And that's really what we need to focus on. Uh, we have no idea when it's going to come. You know, people have been predicting the end of the world for the last 2,000 years. And, uh, you know, you can look up, there's, there's a page in Wikipedia of the dates uh, that were declared or expected for the end of the world. And th- there's several per century for the last 2,000 years. So it's, our century is no different. Um, uh, you know, in general, we know where they're going, but we're, I think we're in an emergency situation and uh, we need to start to figure out you know, we, it's probably difficult to figure out exactly what's going on, but really it's, it's not about figuring out what the plan is because that's not really what the problem is. The problem is that, you know, we're being, we're being misguided from our responsibility and our responsibility is to our, to our fellow man. And that's really what we need to, 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 to get a hold of that. What we need to teach the world is we need to revive the understanding of, of compassion. And that's what's going to fix this whole um, uh, plot.
0: You've already answered my second question, so there we are. I was going (laughs) to ask you what what the silver bullet or what the antidote is. And I I think that really it's a question of not worrying so much about what their plan is, but focusing more on what our plan is and how we're going to create the world that we wish to live in. That's it. Yeah.
3: I
2: love what you just said, David. That, to me, makes the show.
3: Great. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
2: Really, I mean… It's like we need to stand up. We need to to be counted, if you will, or to not hide our light under the bushel. Definitely. That's it. And I'm just curious, in in all of this research that you've done and with revelations, do you see some uh, forecast for humanity like the Mayans had?
3: Uh, no, you know, the, the, the thing is my, my information is always late. You know, I always find, I didn't, I didn't see COVID coming. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Not in the least. I, mean, I had no idea. I mean, yeah, I might've known if I followed more closely, I was wondering why Bill Gates was coming up in the news so often in 2019 or 2020. Oh uh, yeah. 2019. Uh, and then of course we saw why, um, you know, 9-11 I didn't see coming. Ukraine invasion I didn't see coming. The Yeah, so, I, I, you know, a lot of these plans are all really, they're so um, uh, top secret, it's really hard to know where they're going. Uh, I think, you know, it's important. I try to, I hope I understand, have a general idea of what they're trying to do, the bigger picture of where they're trying to get at. But uh, you know, there's only so much we can understand. But again, I think if we spend too much time trying to figure out what they're up to, we're not spending enough time uh, doing what we need to do.
2: Mm-hmm. And with that, I mean, like again, I come back to, I mean, they have their agenda. But what do you see as the forecast for the evolution of this species of of who we are?
3: Yeah. Well, this is a this is a plot. This is a lesson for humanity, right? Humanity has to learn. Because like I say is that my my books there's truth and there's information and my books are information it's not truth right you can't bury truth my my, my information is to show how people are, are are being the plot in place to delude people from de- denying what they know in their heart is the truth mm. and so uh, you know I, I can't I can't show the truth because people already know it and I'm just trying to show all the deceptions that are in place to get that it got them to deceive themselves and so you know they can't hide the truth either and that's that's ultimately it right so it doesn't take years of study doesn't need my really ultimately reading my six books you know essentially people know deep down the truth is just so simple it's just it's just a care for your fellow human being and that's that's exactly what they're trying to prevent us from feeling. They're trying to prevent us from exercising our sense of responsibility to our fellow man. That's all mm. All this crazy, complex, you know, 2,000-year conspiracy. That's the only thing it's designed to suppress.
2: Well said. Well said. I love that. That's a, a really beautiful synopsis of compassion.
0: Kintia, it's that time.
2: Oh, all right. Go for it.
0: Despite the initial unpleasant realization of the truth, you will see there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is an increasing number of respected journalists, writers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, influencers, artists, activists, healers and innovators who are wide awake and are already making great impact. All they require from you is to unplug from mainstream and social media propaganda to make your own independent research and stop acquiescing. Stand up for what you believe in with respect to others. Remember, you were born with power and you wake up each day with power. It is entirely up to you how you choose to retain or give it away. You've been listening to another light broadcast on The Other Side of the News. This 94th edition is entitled Chaos Out of Order and remains available at TheOtherSideOfTheNews.com. My name is Timothy Saunders, and together with Kintia and Annette Driscoll, a special thanks to our guest, David Livingston. Our listeners, contributors, and also sound engineer, Keith Morgan, wish you a very positive week. I look forward to reconnecting with you next Friday. Good night.